The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 1. If you need to know where that is, flip almost to the middle of your Bible. You're going to find a book called Psalms and go just to the right of that. Proverbs is an extremely practical book. Proverbs is a book that has wisdom for us. And today, um, I think that all of us could use a good dose of wisdom. I think wisdom is probably in short supply considering how much knowledge and education we have going on in our world. It seems that the more educated we get as a culture, the wisdom just seems to slide right off the table into oblivion. And um, one of my favorite (laughs) commentators on politics and life often says, you have to be this overeducated to be this stupid. And I don't know what that means because I've been to college multiple times, so I don't know where I land on that spectrum. But I do know that it seems as if people who are going to more school and more school and more school at times lack common sense. And uh, I I have my fair ideas as to what causes that, and we're going to get into that today. We're going to be, like I said, in the book of Proverbs chapter 1. Now, Proverbs, I need you to know from the outset is not a book of promises. I think when we approach the wisdom literature, when we approach Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, when we approach Job or the Song of Songs, which is next week, and ironically, you guys, next week is the Sunday before Valentine's Day, and we're preaching on the sex book in the Bible. So I'm very pumped up for that. I've been reading it uh, this past week and, and even the week before just because it's one of my favorite books. If you've never read the sex book in the Bible, please read it this week. It is glorious. If you're a husband, please do not use the pickup lines in that book on your spouse. If you're dating, definitely don't use them unless you want to break off your engagement, okay? Because uh, some of the pickup lines are very, very Jewish um, in in how they were written. So that's next week. But this week, man, we're looking at these words of wisdom. We're looking at what God has wired into the fabric of the universe— And through the words of Solomon, and if you read carefully, you see that some Proverbs were were compiled by other people as well, we are going to begin to see not necessarily what God promises, but general rules for how life is wired to be. And if you generally follow these rules, then life will generally turn out a way that is good or a way that is bad. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to begin reading in verse 1. God... Dad, we we talk, we joke, me and Charles, about who your favorite is. I think it's amazing that every person in this room who calls on Jesus is your beloved child. Lord, I've, I've talked with people this week who have experienced great loss. I've talked with people this week who have fallen into sin and been drowned in shame. Lord, I pray that today they would be your dad. And I pray that as we explore this immensely practical book this morning, that you would guard our hearts from turning this sermon into a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. That ultimately at the end of today, we would understand that you have wired this universe together in a certain way so that your wisdom and your principles will generally cause life to flourish. But at the end of today, Lord, I pray that we would not simply 
fall into the trap of thinking that if we obey, then we are loved. I pray we would always remember that we are loved because Jesus obeyed when we could not. We are loved because Jesus laid down his life in the place of ours. And that 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 news in itself is considered to be foolishness by the world. But you give us a wisdom that comes from above. So may it guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, these are non-rhetorical questions, and I'm not as enthusiastic as normal, but I need you to raise your hand if any of these apply to you. Have any of you ever thought, gee, by golly, I would love to have a slightly better marriage? Okay, just a few of you are being honest. Okay. Have any of you ever thought, man, I wish I could just be a little bit more successful in business? See, I knew there were some greedy people out there. I'm not going to pick on everybody. Have any of you thought, man, if I could only get my children to stop going down this path <laughs> and go down this path. <laughs> now, now, for those of you who are here and married or engaged without kids, you just need to take a selfie of that next time. That's Parenting 101. For those of you, uh, for those of you who are new mothers, and yeah, you just take a selfie of that. Because we all have hopes for how our children will end up. The strange reality is that they end up almost exactly like who you are, more than who you want them to be. Okay? That's a freebie for the day. You guys, this DayQuil stuff is doing (laughs) dreams in my head. (laughs) So Proverbs. If you take uh, a, a good acquaintance of mine, the guy who has helped with the Bible Project, he says you should think of the wisdom literature books as people. And he says Proverbs is the brilliant young teacher Ecclesiastes is the middle-aged critic, and we, we did a whole series on Ecclesiastes, which is why we're skipping it in this series. You can go back and listen to the podcast, but that was the guy who said everything is meaningless in life, sort of like that midlife crisis end of things where he finally got the Porsche, got the house, got the wives, and said, man, this is way less satisfying than I thought. And then Job is the weathered old man. So this is the young teacher, and here's what he has to say about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 9. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddle. Verse 7, this is the key verse for all of the book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendant for your neck. So Proverbs. Now when we think of Proverbs, we think of clever sayings, right? Whether it's the ones from the Bible And we know some Proverbs. If you grew up in church, you can probably finish some of these. Uh, Let's see. Train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. Right? But some of you have had children that you trained up, and what did they do? Departed. Right? And you think, wait a second. I did that, but my child did not follow the mathematical equation. And you 
might beat yourself up. Maybe you'll say, I didn't do it well enough. I didn't write the verse on their wall in a big enough vinyl sticker or whatever tactic you used. Because Proverbs are general wisdom for how God has put the world together. They're not promises like the ones that we see in other parts of Scripture. There are promises within the book of Proverbs, but for the most part, these are wisdom principles because Solomon has lived a life with more wisdom than any person ever had except for Jesus that we know of. And in his life, he failed wisdom, and he came back to wisdom, and he failed wisdom again. But he wanted to give us the treasures, the core principles of what it means to live a good life. Now, we know some Proverbs in in our lives, right? What are some Proverbs that you guys know of? Uh, Let's see. Out of sight, out of mind, right? That's some of you. You're the cruel ones. Um, the, The kind people are the ones who are absent, makes the heart grow fonder. See, I love this game, you guys. You're so good at this. Now, these these principles in the book of Proverbs are good for you to read. I want you to take time, if you have not read Proverbs recently, and there just happens to be 31 chapters in Proverbs, and guess how many days there happens to be in many months of the year? 31. It's a great miracle that we could read a whole book of the Bible in one month with very little planning. The only plan that we have to have is find a month with 31 days and then say that month, I'm going to open my Bible to the book of Proverbs every day. And you'll discover very quickly that it's actually not a book full of sayings. Chapters 1 to 9 are an introduction. And then chapters 10 to 31 are these pithy sayings that will help you manage money and marriage and relationships and work. The book of Proverbs will confuse you at times. The book of Proverbs can at times be entirely contradictory. In Proverbs 26, verse 4, no joke, this is what it says. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. The very next verse says this. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So if you're just reading through this, Solomon says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will become like him. The very next verse says, you better answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Well, if you've lived life at all, you know that some fools just need a good smacking around. And some fools, if you smack them, they'll just continue to be foolish. It's a verse about throwing pearls before swine. We all know people like that, right? The people that no matter what we say to them, it's, it's as if the creator infused in their head brick and mortar. And it is hard. I'm one of those people. And I, I know that some of you are some of those people because I've met some of you. It's okay to admit it because Jesus will love you despite you. Now, if you're one of the hard-headed people, you need to realize that some of these verses are about you in the book of Proverbs. If you are a lazy person, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about you. Literally, the book of Proverbs will tell you, look at the ants and how they work and save up for the winter. Now, if you're like a 24-year-old millennial, you should be offended that God's comparing you to ants, but then maybe you should be inspired. Because, man alive, if I would have just read the book of Proverbs when I was 16, a lot of pain would have been saved in my life. 
I would have known what kind of girls to not chase. I would have known which kind of ways to spend money and not spend money. I would have actually saved money. My first bank account, I had to keep a minimum balance in my savings. Most of us who are adulting know this, right? So as an average 18, 19-year-old did, I would have all my money in my checking account. And, and just before I would get checked to see if I had it, I'd transfer it all over to my savings. And then after they checked, I'd transfer it back over to my checking because I was wise beyond my years or foolish. I signed up for my first credit card at college because they offered me a free Nerf football. That was a poor life decision. If only I had read the book of Proverbs, you guys. So here's what Solomon is getting at, and we need to just slowly go through these. So, so in verse 1 and 2, it says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. And as I explained er- earlier, if you read carefully the book of Proverbs, I believe it's in chapters 25, 26, and maybe again in 30, there's a, a hint that other Proverbs were compiled by other authors. But generally, these are the wisdom of Solomon. Here's what they are for, to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight. Everything in your life will go better if you have an understanding of wisdom and instruction. And wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is not simply knowing facts. We can compile facts. We have more information available to us than any time in human history. Isn't that pretty wild? I mean, I think it's incredible. I'm saving up for a, a Google Home, a smart home device, I had an Alexa dot, but I gave it to my mom because I thought she'd get more use out of it and order me presents. Um, And I hooked it up to her Amazon account, so it's a little sneaky tactic I'm doing. But these Google Homes, these Amazon Alexas, you put them on your counter, you plug them in, and you can just ask them anything. You can ask them to tell you a joke. You can ask them, what's the weather going to be tomorrow? You can say, could you put this on my calendar? You can ask them questions like, what's the circumference of the sun? And they will just answer you and answer you and answer you till the sun comes up. You can hook them up to your lights if you have the correct lights and say, turn off my lights, do this. I feel like we're literally turning into the movie Wally, okay? For those of you who are parents and have sat through that hundreds of times like me. We're just getting this technology, but the information is amazing. I could get both of my college degrees for free. All of the information, I'm 100% sure I could find all of the coursework for free online. Now, they wouldn't give me the cute piece of paper that lets me show that I learned it, but I could find all the information online. As I've shared before, when I became the pastor here, I I was on staff at bigger churches before, so it was a real shock to me when the AC broke, and I was like, I'm going to call my facilities guy, you know? And we've got guys that are on that team, but we don't have, like, a guy that is dedicated to the AC and dedicated to this. So guess where I went? YouTube. And YouTube showed me how to do it. When my... AC at my house got uh, stopped up because of the Florida funk. You guys know what that is, right? Your little drain pipe thing. No one told me about this. I came from California, guys. It's so dry there, there is no water that gathers. So when my AC stopped, I said, what is this? I Googled it. Florida AC stop. Here's what you do. Take the shop back out. Duct tape it up. Duck it out. Boom, boom, boom. Done deal. Good to go. I'm, I'm a qualified HVAC repairman now, guys. Because information is readily available. Now, wisdom is the application of our knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge, but not apply it well. You can know a lot, for example, about the Bible and not be wise. You can know what God says, but not live in the way that God says to live. 
Wisdom has to be the application of what you know to be true. And if we're being totally honest, most of us, because of the amount of information we have, know far more in our head than we live out in our life. And and that's what I want us to begin thinking about in regards to wisdom. What do you know that God loves that you currently are not doing or that you need to do? And begin working on that before you get to the next doctrine. Because so many people just want more God knowledge that at times I feel bad for giving it to them because I don't want to teach you more things that you're going to be disobedient to. I want us to slow down and say, what are we doing with what we know? Because we know we should help the poor. We know we should care for the widows and the orphans. We know we should care for one another when we have sick among us or those going through difficult times. So let us embrace wisdom and do what we know to do, to understand words of insight. I I love meeting wise people. Does anyone have someone in their life that they think, man, this is a wise person? Yeah? Okay. It's like, um, I like these crime shows. From time to time I get into these things. And I love it, like a rookie cop comes into a crime scene, and they're looking around, and they see a couple clues. But then, like, the master CSI detective comes in, and they see everything. They're like, oh, did you see this over here, this crack, this blood, this hair, got this, boom, 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 boom. Because they're a master detective. Wisdom works like that. People who have wisdom have insights to see oftentimes what other people are not seeing. People that have wisdom have a grid of understanding where they can walk into a room and it's not that they have the knowledge of what, is, of what could be wrong, but they know how to apply it. They know how to see they have a different set of eyes. We all have different sets of eyes. We may not think about it very often. For example, parents have eyes in the back of their heads. Now, kids, plug your ears. Parents, we know it's not true. And I can't explain it, but somehow I do. The number of times that I've been facing my son like this and said, put that down, and been right is astonishing. I can't explain it. It's just the chilly willies in my back says your son is holding a sharp blade or something like that. So tell him to put whatever said object is down. Now, we all have a lens like this. If you're married to somebody, you have a lens for your spouse that we don't have. Because you can look at them in a public setting and where everyone else sees happy and content, you see pending nuclear explosion, right? Or am I the only one? I need to take the marriage class coming in March. Free plug. One spot left. <laughs> we, we have that sight with our kids. Some of us have that sight with our spouse. Some of us know at work that if we do this, things will go well. And if we see our boss doing this body language, stay away. Some of us have this wisdom, but God has a wisdom wired into Proverbs that will have this insight, that will have this application of knowledge, that will deal in righteousness, justice, and equity, and give prudence to the simple. I always, uh, I joke with my wife, uh, mostly because I'm arrogant, and I'm waiting on God to continue to bring that down in me, but I've always had high fever ever since I was a young, young child. My record is 106.2. And um, I know all you nurses are like, you're amazed. And he's still so brilliant. And that's what I tell my wife. Because the doctor said, like, he's in danger of brain damage. And I tell her, like, babe, 
I, probably half of my brain got damaged. And look at this is still what I have left. Imagine if, imagine the world, sweetheart. <laughs> I, I don't get far with that line of argument. But wisdom gives prudence to the simple. You don't have to be the smartest person on the tool shed shelf to be wise. Wisdom can raise you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Wisdom is not only for people who are book smart. It is simply for people who are breathing. And God wants you to have more of it, which is why when he wrote this book of Proverbs, he hit the print screen button and put it in the Bible for you and I to have forever. But now we get into the very practical. Let the wise hear, verse 5, and increase in learning. Guys, did you know that less than 20% of people ever read a book after high school? I find this fascinating because I was in the character group that didn't read any books in high school. Um, back when I was a kid, this was the pre-internet days, so sorry if you're younger. We used to have to go to Barnes & Noble or some bookstore and buy these things called Cliff Notes. They were my literal high school savior um, until I met Jesus. And there were these black and yellow striped books, and they told you everything that you needed to know about a book. And you knew if you were smart enough not to just copy what was in there because the teachers also had the cliff notes, so you would adapt those for your book reports, and you would get straight A's. Now, I don't recommend doing this if you're in school. I really don't recommend doing this because now teachers have technology where they can put your paper in and they bust you cheating all the time. But, but, man, oh man, when God saved me, I went from being a cliff note reader to a book lover. And, and I think that as followers of Jesus, we have to renew our passion for learning. Next week, um, I was going to do it this week, but I was hindered and duct taped to my bed. Um, we're going to be putting recommended reading out here on the bookcase in the corner of God-centered, Jesus-saturated, God-exalting books. And I don't know how we're going to do it yet, probably like put some out for display and maybe loan them out to you guys if those of you that want to learn can do so. Because the why should hear and increase in learning. And if you're not a reader, I've got about 100 podcasts that you can listen to. If you don't know what a podcast is, get a smartphone and come ask me. If you don't know what a smartphone is, you need Jesus. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Because smartphones have so much information on it. I can listen to sermons. I listen to my audio Bibles when I walk on my treadmill. I can find audio Bibles that have sound effects. It's amazing how much you can listen to when you're hearing Jesus talk and there's a babbling brook in the background. I love it. That's what smartphones were invented for. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. They're not for Facebook or phone calls. They're for Jesus. Let the wise hear an increase in learning. Get a book. Listen to a podcast. Listen to a sermon that's just not mine. If you need to know an example of uh, good or bad pastors, please come see me because there's some pastors that um, I think are atrocious. We're going to begin a book drive shortly here. Um, with an organization I partnered with in India. I remember the first time we did this at the church where I came from, we filled up a shipping container with books. We're not going to do that many books here. But we send Christian books and Bible and education books to India where they can sell them. They sell them for like 2 or $3, and they use that money to print Bibles. They sell the Bibles for a dollar, then they use that money to run literacy courses, plant churches, and run the largest VBS in India, which is averaging about 500,000 kids for their VBS. Now, I love that. 
But when we were gathering these books, because we just told this church, bring all your Christian books. Here's what it's going toward. And that's what we're going to tell you in a couple weeks here. So you can start dusting them off if you need to. But I had to go through this entire container because I'm a little bit OCD and I'm like an angry pastor on the inside. Don't let my smilish demeanor fool you. And I just threw out so many books. I was like, I'll send this one to India. This guy is not going to India. Fire pile. This guy's going to India. This guy's getting burned. And uh, because there is a lot of garbage out there. So if you don't know what to read, go on the website. I've got like a list of recommended books. I might even beef that up this week since I'm feeling randy this morning. And, uh, and we're going to have some available for you. And if you, if you need kids' books, we're going to have some recommended kids' books. If you don't know where to start reading and you're 38 years old, get the kids' Bible that I'm going to put on display because it will blow your mind and change your life forever. And I'm not going to tell you which one it is because this is what we call in the entertainment business a cliffhanger. Man, you guys are steak souls. <laughs> so good. I'm not going to remember anything I said today. Let the wise hear an increase in learning. To the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and saying, the words of the wise and their riddle. So um, anybody here love getting advice? Who loves advice? A few people? Okay. So some people love advice. If you love advice, you are definitely among the wise. Because most people do not love advice. Most people see advice like a root canal, like a stomach pump something unpleasant that they're receiving and they just can't wait for it to be freed from their body. But if you want to be wise, here's a very practical tip. Find people who are wise in your life and ask them for advice. And then this gets hard, and I know it sounds simple. Listen to what they say. And you may think, well, this sounds very easy. It's easy to say out loud. It's hard for advice to make it from your ears to your brain and then down to your heart. And this is the long part. This is the gullet that you've got to swallow. Because some advice we know we need. Right now, I am 100% sure that everyone in here knows something they need to change in their life. There is some secret sin that you're harboring. There is some bitterness that has taken root. And you know what's right in your head, but for some reason keeps getting stuck in your throat on the way down to your heart. And it may just be that the advice of a wise person can help you navigate that process. So take advice from people. Ask your friends and family, those who you love and love you, to give you advice on how you could be a wise person. But here is the key. Here is the magnum opus. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. Now this is one of those things... um, I love being a dad, but I can't always tell which type of fear my kids have of me. Because there's two types of fear. This comes from Martin Luther, one of my favorite guys. He's the the German reformer who started the Protestant Reformation. He talked about there being uh, a servile fear and a filial fear, but we're just going to call it um, a, a master fear and like a father fear. And there's a difference. A jailer fear and a parent fear. Because if you're In jail, the type of fear you have of your jailer is like a baton, right? That's a different type of fear. Whereas if you have a child, they have a certain type of fear of you. It's like a fatherly fear. It's a good fear. It's a healthy fear. It's the fear that says, I love my dad or my mom. I want to respect and honor them. Now, this is what 
the fear of the Lord, I believe, works from in the Old Testament. There is a very real, like, you fear God because he will kill you if the wrong things happen. So honor his covenants, honor his commandments, obey his law. But then over and over again, the whole Old Testament pattern is God sets a law, the Israelites fall, God gets angry, God sets a new, another law, the Israelites fall, and over and over they begin to see this is not working out. So in the New Testament, this concept of fearing God really changes and shifts and becomes the good fear, the fatherly fear. Because in the Old Testament, they just referred to God as Yahweh. Whenever you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's God's name. And when the Jewish transcribers were transcribing it, they would be writing out the verse. They would put the pencil down when they got to God's name. They would break the writing instrument, wash their hands, write God's name, break that writing instrument, wash their hands, continue writing the verse. Now that's very reverent and praise. But you have to remember, these guys would have been people who would have been walking with the Ark of the Covenant that they were holding on poles of acacia wood. And when going through a riverbed as the Ark of the Covenant was going to fall, one of the priests thought, I should save God's box from falling because the Ten Commandments of God are in there. And he reached out to keep it from falling, and he got obliterated in an instant. That is the fear of God. And if you don't know Christ, that is the fear that you should have. But if you do know Christ, your fear should shift from that type of fear where God is about to bolt you, punish you, dust you, to the fear where now he is your loving father and dad. To the fear where you want to honor him, respect him, because of how great he is and all that he has done for you and given to you in Jesus. This positive fear, the good fear, is an is a, a selfless fear, and that's another big difference. The negative fear, the bad fear, the servile fear is a fear for yourself, which is a very selfish fear. But the good fear, the positive fear, is a fear of letting down others, letting down God, dishonoring God, offending God, grieving God, and that becomes a selfless fear. And if there's anything that I've learned in my years reading the Bible, it's that selfishness is generally bad. So this is the type of fear, this selfless, God-centered fear that he wants us to have. Because fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord leads to knowledge. Fools despise God's wisdom. Fools despise the way that God has wired the world. I just um, was listening to one of my political uh, podcasts that I listen to, mostly because I like suffering alone in my bedroom while I'm already sick. And um, one of the things that the, one of these congressmen were talking about is they were talking about removing the, I think it's called the Johnson um, Act or whatever, where pastors can't talk about who they're backing politically. And allegedly, un- under this new uh, administration, they're going to remove that so then pastors can finally just tell everyone who they're uh, voting for and supporting. Just a sidebar, I'm never going to do that um, just because I think it's foolish for Jesus' sake because we're about Jesus not about a political candidate. But I thought it was interesting, uh, and all this talk that's going on right now about what's right and what's wrong. We had, the, we had the riots in Berkeley because we have half the country really pumped that, that Trump won and half the country really bummed that Trump won. And if it went the other way, we'd still be split right down the middle. Now, I, I'm not going to tell you which political party I think is the best one, Probably neither, and I'm not. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom, so I'm, I don't have much skin in the game uh, there. But I, I do want to say that 
if you read the Bible, it becomes clear what God's wisdom is. And it's clear in the book of Proverbs that people who fear the Lord are those who are wise. And people who don't fear the Lord are foolish. And, and that, that, that is only fleshed out uh, even more so in the book of Corinthians. Man, I love what Paul says. And you don't have to flip there. I, I'll, I'll read it out for you. But in Corinthians, it talks about the, the foolishness of the cross. It says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. So people who are perishing apart from God look at Jesus and they say, that's foolishness. Have you ever met anybody like that? I meet them every day. Ah, Christianity, it's a crock. Christianity, y'all are hypocrites. Christianity, how can you believe that? Do you believe that there's demons and spirits floating around? Sometimes I just want to shake them and be like, in your head. Christianity is this, Christianity is that. It's folly, though. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's amazing that once you cross the threshold of, of being outside of the faith and then inside of the faith, all of a sudden, everything about Jesus is the very power and essence of God to save you. And if you just read the book of Proverbs this month or next month, since this happens to be a short month, you'd have to really up your game and read like 1.2 chapters a day. Uh, if you just read the book of Proverbs, you'll be inclined to say, okay, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to train up my child in the way they should go. But if you treat them like promises, you, you might be let down. Because we all know some people who are evil and nasty, but they've had a great life. And then we know those people who are saints and gloriously kind, who have had rough goes at it. Proverbs are general wisdom. They are not promises. But they point to Christ who in the book of Corinthians also tells us that he, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, was manifest wisdom perfectly. Jesus was the embodiment of wisdom. Everything that is wise was put in Christ. And if we turn to him first and foremost and allow him to begin to go into our innermost being and change us from the inside out, then when we read Proverbs, we'll understand, now I know why I must work hard. Now I understand why my communication pattern with my spouse has been failing me. Now I understand how to raise my children. Now I know what it means to train up my children in the way they should go. Now I know how to answer a fool and when not to answer a fool according to their folly. But if you do this apart from Jesus, you'll just be throwing darts at people, smart darts that sting. And none of us like those smart darts. We like to feel smart and throw them, but none of us like to get hit by them. And it's no wonder because they're darts and they hurt. But when Jesus comes into our life, we can graciously bring God's wisdom to those around us. We can graciously uh, come before God and say, Lord, give me the wisdom that you want me to have. And the book of James says, if you don't have wisdom, ask for it. Ask for it like Charles asks for things in prayer. But if you want God to answer you, ask for it like I ask for it in prayer. See what I did there? I love that guy so much. Whew. So, will you pursue wisdom today? Will you be open to instruction? Will you heed the advice of those around you? Will you finally get to the point where you can take what you know and allow God to work it from your head to your heart? Will you finally get to the point where you go to the next level and it not only inhabits your head with your knowledge and your heart with your passion, but it makes its way to your hands and your actions? And that should be 
total package for you with how you live. It usually starts in your head, then it makes its way to your heart, and you begin to care about something. And then when your heart grows ten times that day, it will work its way to your hands, and your life will change, and those around you who you impact will see God's love manifest through you in ways that you would have never imagined. May that be true for your life this week. Let's pray. Father, (laughs) you are so good to love us the way that you do. To give us a book like the book of Proverbs that can guide us in this life, that can give us wisdom on how we ought to live and how you've wired the universe. Lord, I pray that we would be a wise people. I pray that our wisdom would start with knowing your son Jesus and being consumed with him. That we would continue to see the cross, the good news, as the power you have sent down from heaven. And that we would not turn to folly in thinking that life is about us. We would always remember that it's about you, loving you, loving others. Lord, for those in here who need a good dose of wisdom, I pray that you would guide them to the right Proverbs, that you would equip parents with skills that they need, that you would free men and women from sinful addictions that they might be experiencing as as we read through Proverbs and, and ponder topics in our life like drunkenness, gluttony, laziness, pride. I pray that you would convict us of our sin lead us to the cross of Christ. Lord, we love you. In your precious name of Jesus, we ask all these things.